all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. I get you every time. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> All right. How's... I, I keep thinking of how you're going to do it, and it always comes out different than how I'm thinking of it. <laughs> if you ever get it right, let me know. I won't laugh if I get it right. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you'll probably laugh because you do get it right. You're yeah, like, oh, you're, man, probably, yeah. you're probably right. Um, housekeeping. Um... Shout outs to lots of listeners today. Um, first of all, major shout out to our listener Emily because this or this episode's topic was her suggestion. Okay. So we've received a lot of listener topic suggestions, which is awesome. We will always shout you out when you suggest something and we do it. So shout out to Emily. Yes. Um, and uh, we'll reveal that shortly. Should we, should we cheers to Emily? <laughs> we can cheers to Emily. And what are we cheering to Emily, cheersing to Emily with? What are you drinking? I am having a uh, national local beer. That's great. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you having other than the little bit of liquor? You're having of water. Some... It's a glass of water right there. And? And, and this is um, Carolina Moonshine in and, the... In the, and? and a glass of water right next to it. And what else are you having? What, I, what I you, said the moonshine What do you water. have in your hand right now? I, I don't have anything in my hand right now. <laughs> I'll fill the audience in because I think they already know. And even if they don't, whatever. She's also having a national local beer. I'm trying to be frugal, guys. So I'm bumming your cheap light beer off of you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I have a look of shame on my face. You do, do not be ashamed. It's, it's okay to have a national local beer every now and then. Yeah. I won't think different of you. Oh, thank you. At all. I think differently of me. <laughs> well, I can't help that. Um, another shout out. We have a new listener who has been binging us and checked in on Facebook. Also made a lot of great suggestions and is local. In Raleigh. Oh, okay. Our new listener, James. Show. So, shout out to James. James and Raleigh. James and Raleigh. Cheers. Be one James and Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one and you know it. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we don't use last names because that's nobody's given permission for that. So. No. Um, also, speaking of Emily and also shouting out Jennifer from Disaster Area Podcast, they both looked into what I could not find and clearly my internet searching skills are just very inferior. Remember when we were talking about the um, JAL Flight 123, one of the most depressing episodes we've ever done last week. We couldn't find the design of the plane. Yeah, and I couldn't figure out if it was a double-decker mm. or not. And um, Turns out it was. Yeah, apparently it was. According to Jennifer, she was like, what she said, it was just in a tweet. She's like, yeah, it was a double-decker. And Emily clarified that not all 747s were, but the ones that were tended to have a small 
top deck with like eight to 16 seats for like first class passengers. So okay. it's possible that was the situation. So, so like I said, like we can just not do our research and just have our listeners do it yes. for us and our fellow disaster yeah. podcasters. So, yeah. So for future, um, correspondence, mm-hmm. if you send in a topic, just send in the research along with it. <laughs> And make things a lot easier for us. Well, a lot of our listeners could do that because they write very intelligent, yes, very thorough emails. Yes. Especially, like, Emily wrote a great one. Sarah Q, who checked in just to say hello. Yes. Today, which was really nice. Hi, Sarah Q. Hello. She's um, leaving NYU for the summer. And she's on her break. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And she said that she hasn't listened to... Uh, flight one two three episode yet because she hasn't yet flown home and i'm like that's yeah, a good idea yeah never listen about mm-hmm. a disaster if you're about to go do that thing like if you're gonna go on a ship don't listen to a maritime disaster if you're gonna fly do not listen to any of our and crashes. and like i mentioned last week if you're in the middle of bad turbulence and also watching an episode of game of thrones <laughs> yeah just turn it's off just the episode of intense. game of thrones yeah. Yeah. watch something nice like noozles <laughs> Yes. <laughs> as yes. we were just discussing. <laughs> Although that might confuse you just as much and put you in just as much of a state of shock based on uh, how you described it. Yeah, it was kind of a trippy show for a Nick Jr. show. Um, also, just an, another shout out for Jennifer. Like I said, she hosts Disaster Area podcast. Um, she is one of my favorite people on Twitter. She writes some... She's just a she's just great at tweeting. She's really funny, and it's hard to be funny or like really insightful or cutting or whatever in whatever it is two hundred sixty characters or whatever. Um, but Something she like is, that. she yeah. is. So I there highly, are there are a lot of people that are. Yeah, well, yes, but I pretty I'm, clever people. Yeah, but there. I'm just saying, like. And a lot of times it's like, it's not necessarily only famous people who are like that, but a lot of people who are famous on Twitter because of their sure. smart tweets. She She's not like some influencer or whatever. So I, you know, the people who can like, like yeah. the Instagram influencers and all that. Anyway. Yeah, anytime they just, put something out there, it gets, you know, hundreds of thousands of impressions. Right, and, exactly. No, yeah. she's just funny and smart and so i recommend following her her handle is at troll princess on uh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah okay yes uh-huh. i have seen some of her yeah she's really funny i think i do i think do I you do. follow her yes, well if I you don't do shit yes i recommend that to everybody so those are those are my housekeeping items do you have anything to I add do, i do not all right then hopefully i will have more to add than i did during last week's Ultra depressing episode. There was nothing great to interject. No, not really. That was a rough one. Yeah. We've had uh, probably half a dozen of those. Yeah, just the real just, downers. Yeah. I mean, none of these disasters are exactly uppers. No. <laughs> but, um... So, once again, we're going to be bringing you the death of a small town. Oh, yeah, right? Another... From, the, from the top, Rachel. Take it away. <laughs> let's talk about Centralia again. Yes, let's just, let's no just go over deaths. that again. <laughs> we'll just retell it every other week. But uh, what do we have uh, on deck tonight? Well, I gave you a hint that we are visiting a country in a new our country. tale. Yes, that we have not before. So I'm going to tell you the the topic okay. and see if you can guess the country. Okay. All right. It is this soccer is... riot, uh, England. <laughs> no, our soccer riots were um, South well, Africa. We already did one, but I could just throw out. Oh well, yes. Fifty different countries, and I'd be right. Sure. Okay. This is the story of. 
the Sampung department store collapse? Uh, Bangladesh? We've when we co- we've covered Did Bangladesh. We? The Ron Plaza was in Bangladesh. Was that Bangladesh? I, I so. had it was India in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, but I think you're right. It was Bangladesh. Was it? I thought it was Bangladesh. Yeah, but I, I know we've it. talked about Bangladesh. We have. Have we? Yes. I guess it's the answer is no. That's not it. Singapore. No, good guess. Asia, clearly, right? Sure. Sampung. Yeah. S- sounds like a, a, an Asian Thailand? name. Thailand. Have we been to Thailand? Another good guess. I don't think we have. I, I'm out of guesses. All right. South Korea, sir. Oh, well, that's a pretty obvious one. Well, I mean, but you were guessing a lot of good guesses. North so. Korea. Well, this is a South Korea. No, I know. Oh, that was, that <laughs> was just continuing. That was my next guess. Gotcha. So, again, shout out to Emily for this suggestion. This is a good one. Well, you know, a good bad one. A bad good one. Whatever. On June 29th, 1995, right right after you graduated from high school. <laughs> uh, three days after oh, I graduated wow. high okay. school. <laughs> so three days after David graduated from high school, one wing of the Sampung department store collapsed, killing 502 people oh, and injuring an additional 1,445. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so First to put impressions. it to, well to put it in a good light, at least it wasn't as many as Rana Plaza because I know that was a oh, little over a thousand. Oh, that was a, a lot thousand. of people. Yeah, it was like eleven hundred, twelve hundred deaths. And you know, you know what's funny? I think we finally reached a point where these tragedies are starting <laughs> to blend together. Hey, for it me. was only five hundred some. <laughs> I I know. Well, it's just it's just that it's like. I'm starting to forget what countries things happened in and the body counts. Well, and well here. Well, Hashtag body count. <laughs> Hashtag morbidity. Yeah. Um, but right away, you said it was a department store. Yes, Sampung department store. So I'm going to guess there's a lot of, like, mothers and kids. So I don't have specific information. Oh, okay. That. That's oh. not a... So, like, I, I, we were talking earlier, and I kind of alluded to, this is going to be a front-loaded episode, meaning there's more preamble than there will be about the actual disaster and aftermath. Okay. Because the bulk of the story is about context and what led to it all. So once it happens, we'll kind of be like, yeah, we figured that would happen, sort of, if that makes sense. Not to give too much away, but... I mean, we know what happened. <laughs> Clearly, I've already said it. We know the end products, result. But, yes. So. Sampoon, by the way, I know it's it sounds like Sampoon when you say it, like I'm sure over audio, but it's S-A-M-P-O-O-N-G, just for yeah. the record. Yeah. Sampoon. Sampoon. So Sampoon Department Store was located in Seoul, South Korea. So the capital of South Korea. Site of the 88 Winter Olympics? You're getting ahead of me, sir. Sorry about that. Because... This this is this is why we're talking oh, was about this? a region. Oh. No, well, well, no. Okay. We're talking about a region of the world with a very fascinating history. Sure. So that's part of why this story is going to be really front loaded because there's a lot of context for it, cultural, political, historical context that plays into what happened. So I want to delve into that. Sure. Um, also. I, who was it? Oh, I think it was Sarah who, when she wrote, was saying that, um, 
she likes the historical and political background of things. Well, this is sure. going to be a one that's heavy on that. Okay. And I like I'm that excited too. Because yeah. it's, you know, rather than dwell on the terribleness, the context really can be, you know, helpful to know. Sometimes, uh, not all the time, but sometimes the context and the setting of what led to right, the actual, said, said tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like, by the time you get through that context, it just makes sense. It's yes. Like, that's exactly what this is going to be like, I yeah. think. So, okay. So, yeah. So, like I said, Seoul is the capital of South Korea. And if you had to hazard a guess, how close to North Korea do you think Seoul is? I don't think it's very far, is it? Like 100 kilometers? miles. Oh, so less than... miles away. So that's like I, I 38 I, kilometers, I something I failed like to write down kilometers. I usually do when we're talking about an international That's disaster. pretty... Effing close for it's being really for being close. the capital city. Yes, very close. You would think that it. I mean, I, I'm sure there. Are, I did not go into pre-Korean War history just to just to make because again, clear. again, we'd be going back thousands of years. Yes, and this is not going to become a history podcast solely. Solely. Solely, get it? Seoul, South oh. Korea. Solely. <laughs> I think you have to uh, hashtag that. Hashtag solely. <laughs> um, I'm see, sure that wasn't see, even half as The audience as can tell how much you're enjoying your uh, national local beer. <laughs> yeah, because clearly it's getting me real drunk. Yeah. What is the alcohol percentage of a Miller Lite? It's like 4%. Yeah. It doesn't even I don't say. even think they put it on there because it's not necessary anymore. They're like, they're like, it's way less than a craft beer. Yeah, it's <laughs> not even on it. It, oh, 4.2% alcohol by volume. Okay. okay yeah. Oh, they put the calorie content. 96 okay. calories. There okay, that's not bad. Less filling. <laughs> that's, uh, oh, that is Miller Lite, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. I thought it was Bud Light for a second. No. But that's Bud Weiser. Remember those commercials? We should probably get back to the tragedy, shouldn't oh, we? Oh, should. Okay. <laughs> what? No. Okay. So, North and South Korea, this will come as a shock or new information to absolutely nobody have a long history of strife. Um, in 1945, this is just real quick pre this era history. In 1945, at the end of World War II, Japan's rule over Korea as a whole ended, and the country was split into North and South Korea, um, with uh, the Soviet Union occupying the North and the U.S. occupying the South. So this is what led to the beginning of North Korea becoming a communist regime. It had a um, communist background post-World War II. Um, And that all eventually led to the Korean War in 1950, I believe. I think it was 50 to 53, if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah, it ended in 53 in a stalemate. Yes. Like, nobody won. And that um, led to separating the two countries with the DMZ, the Demilitarized Zone. Um, And recently... A lot's been going on with North and South Korea. That's the other, that's the, I mean, talk about two, how the fuck did we get to this point bookends? I mean, really. Well, but things are still kind of up in the air right now. They are. After all the um, Trump being so proud of himself, now North Korea's now like, yeah, fuck you, and they're pulling out of things. and. Uh, Well, I mean, let's face it, this this will not become the politics podcast. Mm -mm. Um, but yeah, this war has, it's since 1950, it has not ended. 
Like, no, not, not, not really, officially. No. It really it's, has it's not. It's more of a Cold War at this point. Yes. It's not, like, active. Well, we'll get to that. Hold on. Let me finish up this one thing, and then we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, recently, some something but, in but current... But the, the Korean War was a pretty... Brutal war. Brutal war, It yeah. really was. Mm-hmm. Um, as a side note, my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, my grandpa Martin, um, did was in Korea during the Korean War. So he served yeah. in Korea. There were a lot of people that served in World War II and Korea. Oh, yeah, because that's plenty, true. Younger and... Um, they were only six years apart. Yeah. From yeah. the end of uh-huh. World War II to the beginning of the Korean mm-hmm. War, so... Yeah. Um, but anyway, recently... The dictator of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, and uh, South Korean President Moon Jae-in. I'm going to be saying a lot of Korean names, and I feel like it's more phonetic and it's a little bit easier than, okay. a, than like Russian and stuff. I'm, I'm so still anyway. excited for it. Um, they met in the DMZ. They, they did. shook hands yes. over the DMZ, which vastly changed the South Korean public's perception of Kim Jong-un, increasing his South Korean approval rating rec- very recently from 10% to 78%. His, wow. <laughs> Talk about a bump. Yes. He has now gotten, like, he uh, that, that action shit. bumped his his Q rating in South Korea by, like, 60%. Uh, yeah. And if he tells Donald Trump to fuck off, I think that's going to bump his Q rating <laughs> even higher. I think it's bumped it up in the U.S. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So, anyway... So so that's funny. I have not even heard, and you—that's something I would generally look up to see, like what happened with this. But wow, ten mm-hmm. percent to seventy-eight percent has skyrocketed. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the strife. <laughs> this will not become the politics that's podcast. Right. We we promise. Again. Uh, after the Korean War, South Korea entered what came to be known as the Miracle on the Han River. Named after the so-called Miracle on the Rhine in Germany. Do you Have you ever heard of this? I have not, but it's fascinating. It sounds like something I've heard of. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure, though. So apparently, after World War II, there was quite a... I mean, they had a lot to rebuild from, but there was a huge growth period in Germany. Like, they had to come back <laughs> because... Obviously, they lost the war. Things had not gone well, but they entered a period of pretty big economic growth. And that was considered like in this sort of war-torn country, they managed to rebuild and rebuild quickly. I have seen snippets of that in documentaries I've seen. And apparently that's called the miracle on the Rhine. And the reason that they kind of, they didn't rebound quickly. Like Mm -hmm. some things that I've seen. No, that's not what the intuition is. But it took them until around like the late seventies, early eighties to kind of fully come back. It was a steady upswing. But the reason in these couple snippets that I've seen, they're Mm -hmm. saying is because literally everybody was employed. Right. Because everybody, everybody had to to rebuild the country. Yes. Yes. And that makes perfect sense. Just like how world war two was actually excellent for us employment. (laughs) Because even women who would otherwise not During be working, and especially after. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. So, yeah. Even though things were tough for GIs coming back and stuff. But yes. Anyway, moving on. So the same thing happened in Seoul and in South Korea in general um, during or the, the post-Korean War period. So, and they called it the miracle on the Han River because the Han River like literally runs through Seoul 
So there's like the the northern part of the city and the south part of the city. So the in this rebuilding period, most of the rebuilding happened in the old city, which was to the north of the Han River and the old and the um, northern part. But they also started really building up newer, like sprawling suburbs to the south of of the Han River, the south part of the river. And the, this region translates to south of the river. The word is Gangnam. Oh, Gangnam. <laughs> Where do oh you know God. that from? Oh Gangnam style. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it just translates to south of the river, but basically it's like the hip, trendy, upscale... Um, so all this time he was saying south of the river style. Yes. And nobody knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think from what I read, like so, um, Gangnam was is more a little more upscale, a little more posh, a little more nouveau. Probably because it's you're on water. That's, well, that's well, always but, gonna be. But you are in the northern part of the city too. It's just this is the the northern part of the city is the older part of the city that was rebuilt. I, I see what you mean. The suburbs, the newer part of the city, was built up that kind was of the, from scratch. It was the trendy. Exactly. So I think what he's saying is like. This is the place the cool kids go in Gangnam. Yeah, party in Gangnam. He's the uh, Jay Z of South Korea, <laughs> and, he, and he probably is. <laughs> oh boy, Jay Z would never be caught dead doing that dance. No, but I, I'm just saying. I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> in regards, so. I, I'm sorry if I offended Jay Z or Jay Z <laughs> listeners. I meant. Or you, what's you know his what name? Who did Gangnam Style? Yeah, I don't even I don't remember, remember the guy's name. name. No, no. That South Korean guy. Sorry, friend. <laughs> um, so, the miracle in the Han River, meaning this boom economically in Seoul and then South Korea, continued through the 60s and the, into the 70s when South Korean par- President Park Chung-hee and his administration began vying for South Korea to host... The 1988 Summer Olympics, exactly. Oh, it was the Summer Olympics. It was the I said the... Oh, did you say the... I said the winter. Oh, Um, maybe you just said Olympics. I don't remember. But no, I did say winter, but but the Winter Olympics in 1988 were in Calgary, I believe. Okay. I will go with that. (laughs) That wasn't part of your research. (laughs) No, I said... Park was assassinated in 1979, and Chun Du Huan took over as an unelected coup leader. Okay. But Chun continued for the bid for the Olympics as an attempt to have the world and his own country view him as a legitimate leader. Sure. So uh, Chun was dealing... That's what the Olympics does. Yeah, right? Exactly. Chun was dealing with both threats from North Korea and political pressure to democratize the country since he wasn't an elected leader. So it was a big freaking deal for him and for the entire country of South Korea when the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, awarded the Games to South Korea in September 1981. So what happens to a city when they officially get the Olympic bid? What do they do? They start building a lot of shit (laughs) really fast, Mm -hmm. really quick, and on the cheap. You just told the rest of the story, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're just going to expand on that. We can see where this is headed, Mm -hmm. right? So. And and if anybody is, I think it's, I think you can watch it on YouTube. Watch um, Real Sports 
coverage oh. of the Rio. Brazilian Olympics mm-hmm. in 2016, uh, the IOC is like the most legitimately corrupt organization in John the world. John Oliver did a great co- uh, yes. piece on it, too. I mean, it's crazy. So now that this is kind of a backdrop to this story. Yeah, you can sort of see what And this you know is that happened. they were corrupt in 1981 and in 1988 and well, since their formation. Their yeah, exactly. So sidebar, watch that if you get a chance. Right. Right. So yeah, so basically And you'll get you'll get a better sense of the IOC, which is a key player in what's going to wind up happening in this story. In this no. tragedy. No, no, I'm just saying like them no, bringing not, the Olympics. Not really. Not exactly. And building up all the stuff really it's, quick. It's part of it, yeah. but it's not what built this building. Okay. For what it's worth. Sure. It's just part of the context. What I'm saying is don't get your hopes up. We're not going after uh, the I, IOC in this story. No, I wasn't. <laughs> okay. They still exist, so I know there's okay. no going after them. All right. Um, so, yes, when a city gets the Olympics, the... F- First thing they do is start building in more infrastructure. Um, most they, they cities had seven anyway. years to do it. Yeah, they did. They did have seven years to do it. Um, Not at, a lot of time. No, no. At this point, though, the international community had banned taking on construction contracts in South Korea as a sanction. Oh. So all of the construction was executed by South Korean companies. This all stayed domestic. Now. Was that good for the economy? Absolutely. Hell yes. It, it, it was, again, part of this big economic boom post-war. But there was a large number of construction jobs for a very limited number of contractors. And contractors had time constraints going after them. So there was a, a culture already of structures being built very quickly because they had to do it fast. So, and we know what's that um, Venn diagram, you know, you want something done, you can have something done cheap and quick, or you can have something done um, good quality and quick, but you can't, or, and you can have something done for good quality for cheap, but it's slow. You know, like you can't have all three of those things. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes, I do. You You have to make a choice. Right. You can't have good quality, fast and cheap. Like, one of those not things really. has to be no. sacrificed. Yeah. You can so, have two of the three. Exactly. But not all three. Right. So, obviously, the quality was what was That was the one that was tossed, that tossed to the side. They're like, oh, does it? can I throw a rock at it and it won't collapse? Okay, <laughs> great. Then then past past inspection. inspection. Good. <laughs> On to the next one. Right. So, amidst this whole economic boom in South Korea, there were still very much bad tensions between North and South Korea. Um, And where I said, you know, it was more like a Cold War, there were exceptions. In 1983, North Korean militants set off a bomb in South Korea that killed 17 South Korean government officials. Wow. Um, In 87, North Korea was also blamed for destroying a South Korean plane in flight, killing another 115 people. And in the midst of all of this, South Korean citizens were more and more restless for their country to be democratized so they could actually vote for their president, for their leader, and not just have this unelected, you know, dictator. And the first presidential elections were held in 1988, the same year as the Summer Olympics, as they hosted the Summer Olympics. So... This massive growth in Seoul continued after the... Yes. If any of those things Mm -hmm. had happened, like, in the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. it would trigger a world war. Right. It really would. And it was, like, par for the course. But here was the larger 
you mm-hmm. know, here was the more looming figure. At the same time, the United States and the Soviet Union are in a That's cold right. war. It was in a so cold nobody's war. paying attention to North and South Korea, well, really. Plus also, yeah. the U.S. wasn't necessarily an ally of South Korea. Mm, there were these no. sanctions right. on the country because they weren't democratized. Right. I'm guessing that's why there were sanctions. I didn't look into that. I'm assuming it was because the the international Either way, the U.N. was putting these sanctions because of the lack of democracy. The U.S. played some role, still does, in South Korea because we fought a war with them. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've always played. So we had some sort of... We occupied them post-war. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But this will not become the politics podcast. <laughs> we've said that like six <laughs> times so far. <laughs> But no, the uh, I mean those two again. Those two things, I no idea that well, those. Oh, those those uh, those incidents. Yeah, and yeah. I'm pretty sure there were others too. Those probably. were just like two that I, I yeah. found. Probably because both factions knew they could kind of get away with it under the radar because everybody, everybody's paying attention to the two superpowers. Well, now I did not look and see if there was South Korean retaliation. I just oh, saw that that okay. was North Korea on South okay. Koreans against South Koreans. So anyway. The massive economic growth in construction continued after the 88 Olympics. It did not stop there. And by 1995, which is when this story takes place, it was estimated that 10 high-rise buildings were constructed every week. What? That's how fast it went. <laughs> yeah. That, now, not, and we're not t- start to finish constructed, but right. finished up. Yeah. Right. But we're also talking about the 1980s. You know, technology... No, 95... I said by 1995, when oh. this story takes place. This is the okay. 90s. I'm know. still I'm still stuck in the Olympic. No, I'm, we're, I'm okay. moving us. My my narrative flow that was very carefully chosen I, I had it. you listened to it <laughs> brought us. I was the still 90s. thinking about North Koreans like shooting down a South Korean plane <laughs> and what what the uh, repercussions of that would be today. Okay. So, anyway. So, that was in, in Seoul. Ten buildings. And that's just in Seoul. We're not talking about South Korea as a country. Just in Seoul. Ten buildings per week were being finished. Even so, that's just... That's a it's crazy a amount of growth. It is. Absolutely. And we live in a city where there's plenty of growth. Oh, lots of building. And that... But that doesn't happen like that. Mm-mm. <laughs> I don't think it ever. Thank God. Yeah, it's probably a good thing, because we're going to find out why. Um, and population of Seoul at this point was around 10 million. Oh, so they're that's just more than that's more than New York City now. Yes, it I is. Believe. Yeah, like New York City, New York City proper is like eight, eight and a half. And I think that's yeah. about what London is. Yeah. So yeah, this is huge, a huge city. So they're just stacking people pretty much on top of each other. That's it, why it's all the high populated. rises. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And Seoul in South Korea was seen as a symbol of triumph because it was able sure. to develop yeah. with such a difficult history. Um, and despite the fact that throughout these years, it did have a troubling track record of bridge and building collapses and also um, well, you know, gas explosion yeah, fires. You gotta make an omelet, as they say. <laughs> Due at least in part to hasty construction practices, which we'll see momentarily, the Sampoon collapse was certainly a part of. So, speaking of which, are we ready to move on to the are Sampoon department store? Are we going to the store? collapse? No, we're going on into the store itself. Oh, we're going inside the store. Yes. Okay, well, first, about the first on our uh, podcast. Are well, we not, going there virtually? Um, I'm kidding. I'm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the midst of this construction boom pre-Olympics in 1987, the Sampung Group, which is what, obviously, this was 
this department store was named after, so it was a company name. It wasn't like a location name. The Sampung Group began building the Sampung Department Store in Siocho. Uh, that, sound, that sounded like I am from Miami saying that. Siocho! Well, you are from Miami. Siocho? Uh, Siocho. <laughs> I am from Miami. Yes. I'll, I'll, anyway, I'll accept all of those. It was an especially upscale neighborhood in Gangnam. On a piece of land that had previously been a landfill. That's what New York City also is. Built on a landfill? Yes, it is. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that will become pertinent later. Not New York, but sure. the fact that this is a Anyway. There were a lot of original plans and original blueprints for what this building was supposed to be that were summarily derailed by Lee Jun, the eventual chairman of the building, so like the boss of this project. So The chairman of the building. Chairman of the building. Lee, Lee Jun. We're going to hear a lot about I'll, Lee Jun. I bet we will. So for one thing, remember, uh, remember I said lots of changes happened in the construction phase of this project. For one thing, the building wasn't even supposed to be a department store originally. It was supposed to... So, change right off, number right one. Off, right off the bat. Right off the bat. Not supposed to be a department store. It was supposed to be a four-story apartment building. It's supposed to be all residential. No. So, that's completely a, a 180. So, the original dimensions of a four-story apartment building became a high-rise. No. I haven't finished yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. So Lee Jun apparently didn't like this idea, so he changed it up, and suddenly the plan became to build a five-story department store. So not a high-rise. Uh, okay. That's not a high-rise no. by any means. It's not, like, a couple stories. It's si- I mean, and a, a department store that size is huge. It is, and I'm sure he had, like, it's going to be an attraction. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So part of the change in the blueprints involved increasing the number of floors to five by installing escalators. So, you know, to get up to the fifth floor. And this involved cutting away a number of support columns. Why? <laughs> Reducing a number of support columns. Okay, so you're adding a floor and taking away support, support. columns. Because doesn't that, that make that the just, best that, sense that, ever? That just sounds like the most logical thing I've ever yes. heard of. Holy shit. Exactly. <laughs> and um, our Mr. Lee also had quite the penchant for changing blueprints uh, and plans because, for one thing, the fifth floor, even according to his original plans, was supposed to be a roller rink, a roller skating rink. <laughs> yeah, let's put that on the fifth floor. But zoning regulations said they couldn't do that, so they decided to put eight restaurants on the fifth floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that they decided to put a basketball court up there. No, not even, yeah. just something completely yeah, just different. Restaurants. Just put eight restaurants up oh there. Oh, my so. God. So, so that, that was what, it, it changed from a four-story apartment building to a five-story department store with eight restaurants on top, on, on the fifth floor. And less support beams. And fewer support <laughs> beams for the escalators, you understand. Construction for the Sampung department store wrapped up near the end of 1989, so it took a couple of years. The building itself didn't have a steel skeleton or cross beams, which meant the building couldn't properly transfer its weight load across the floor. 
So instead of everything being built on a framework where the load was properly distributed evenly, so no part of it was being more stressed than the other. Everything is kind of a mishmash instead. Yes, not properly load-bearing in an yeah. even manner. Exactly. And you have, <clears throat> you have uh, eight different restaurants yeah, on, on the, the fifth floor. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in a restaurant, people are constantly moving and walking around. Not only that, but they put... Um, hot water pipe heating in the floor of the fifth um so so the ceiling of the fourth and the floor of the fifth floor they uh they put this um hot water pipe heating which further um weakened the floor See, it, oh, and we're not even done. Like in my mind, like if I'm building this uh-huh. in Fallout Four, okay, yes. it'll be the most exotic, awesome thing that anybody's <laughs> ever seen. But that's only because it exists it's in a, a video, video game, game. <laughs> without mods, even yeah. Without mods, thank you. Nice, <laughs> yeah. very nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, but but we're not even done. We're not even done. So the load bearing is not properly distributed. But Mr. Lee. <laughs> We'll just call him Mr. Lee. Reduced the size of the columns, the support columns, from 31 inches to 24 inches, or 79 centimeters to 61 centimeters yeah. thick. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like a good idea either. This is very much against the original blueprints, because obviously Lee June didn't really care about the original blueprints all that much. Um, because the 31-inch columns were designed to help the building stand safely. That was the purpose of them being that thickness. So the load on each individual column was stressed even more because that wasn't enough. Because he spaced them farther apart than the original. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, because he's shaving them down. So yes, they are going to be. Well, and and then distributed them differently. Yeah. So this was all sorts of fucked from the word go. Now, do you see where I'm saying, like, this is going to get more set up in the front? Oh, than, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody and, everybody sees the punchlines, just when is it going to exactly. be? Exactly. And, and it won't be a shoe that drops. No. Um, so he, he spaced these columns farther out, not just because they were smaller, but because he wanted to make room for more retail space. Oh, my God. Clearly, at this point, oh my God. we do understand that Mr. Lee June has, like, big dollar signs for eyeballs, right? That's, yeah. Another construction complication, because we don't have enough at this point, right? (laughs) They were using origami the whole time. (laughs) It was paper walls. Fucking might as well have been. Right? Sounds like. Um, the, The building's air conditioner units... So, obviously, huge building needs a lot of industrial sure. air conditioning. Needs equipment. a lot of industrial everything. Where's a good idea to put? Or where's a terrible idea to put these AC units? I honestly don't know. I don't know anything about the guts of a building. How about on the roof? Yeah, that's pretty stupid. Yeah. So, because they leak. Well, one, they leak. And they're in a building that is not properly weight-bearing. They yeah, put these huge, heavy AC units And they're constantly the shaking. Top. Yes, thank you. That will come into Which play as well. Which also brings us back to Rana Plaza. Yes. It, that's except, right. Except was the ACs too? It was not the ACs. Was it? it was the... Um, oh, the uh, sewing machines or whatever. No. no the... Um, God. When you uh, run out of electricity... And generators. Then you, it was the generators. Thank you. <laughs> it was the generators in We'd that building. We'd be really good at... What's the... the 
I know. Boulder Dash or whatever the. But, the, but now, but <laughs> now we're, we're, already, we're already terrible at it. <laughs> With so. the little buzzer and the thing. Yeah, that thing. Jennifer Scrabble? and Emily, tell us. Somebody, tell us what that. Eh, eh. Anyway, Scattered No. Anyway. I don't know. But yes. anyway, in the Rana Plaza, the generators were on yes, the top floor. That's right. That's right. Now, these units created an additional 50 ton load on the roof. Holy shit. Yes. That's a thousand, ten thousand pounds, a hundred thousand pounds. One one ton to? one ton is two thousand. So oh, that's right, two thousand. Wait, so I I just add, <laughs> I, I I am a bookkeeper. Yes, you are. I'm a bookkeeper who's had a moment gonna, late and is drinking moonshine. But I'm gonna still let you answer that question. Not, How I'm much gonna, is that? <laughs> you use my calculator. <laughs> I always have an adding machine. Hold on. So two thousand times fifty, a hundred thousand. Yes. Oh, well, now you say yes. You you made me do that because you could All you had to do is transfer the zeros. That's all you had to do. I'm drinking moonshine right now. <laughs> very much. Because I'm being frugal. Yes, you are. Get a bigger bang for your buck from moonshine than... This isn't illicit moonshine, by the way. It's not. You would know the difference. Well, no, I'm, I'm clearing it up for anyone who might be listening. That's all. All right. Not that I haven't had illicit moonshine, mm-hmm. which can be very delicious. <clears throat> but anyway, well, let's move on. This will not become the moonshine this podcast. This will not become the moonshine podcast. <laughs> we are in Or the though. political podcast <laughs> or, or the, the or missing the persons podcast. podcast or whatever. So, despite... The Olympics podcast. <laughs> despite this litany of dangerous construction flaws, the Sampoon department store was open to the public on July 7th, 1990. The store was very popular and attracted an estimated 40,000 customers every day. Now, for for context, I looked up out of curiosity how many visitors the Mall of America gets every day. Okay. It averages out to like 110,000 people. But think of how gigantic the Mall of America is. It's enormous, way bigger than this place was. You also want to do like a per capita. Like what is, what's the population between South Korea and America? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see that, yeah. yeah. But even just, but still, like, sheer numbers, like, that's... Yeah. And it's, it's in a it, he it's obviously, like 10 million. He obviously built it to be an attraction. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be just that. Well, let me show you the first picture, which will show you exactly how much of attraction he wanted this to be. What color is this, David? It is. looks very pink to me. He built a pink department store. It looks like a, our convention center downtown a it little does. bit. It does. But it's all pink. It is all pink. <laughs> has like big windows in the front. It's kind of hard to find pictures online of the store not collapsed. Sure. But you can find them. So for anyone who's curious, go online. Clearly, I'm, I'm terrible at posting. I'm going to guess so. you have pictures of the building collapsed as well. Yes, I do. That's but we'll, what's we'll, here. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Man, yeah. but this place looks like it. I mean, it's yeah. kind of modern looking. At well, for for 1990, yeah. And it's probably, I, I think this guy was onto something. He was like, this will be a symbol of, like, Korea's comeback. Right. It, it was you kind know, of a, yeah, exactly. So I see where he was going. Obviously, the means he took to get there. Well, and he's just, uh, in, clearly he was just trying to save money, cut corners. I mean, as many corners as he was cutting, this thing still took two years to build. It did. So... This was a huge project, no doubt, yeah. but he just didn't and, care that it was being done poorly. And served its purpose. 40,000 people a day went there. Yes, yeah. So. Well, I say he didn't care that it was being done poorly. He actively made sure it was done poorly. Exactly. So. Anyway, 
So he did care that it was done poorly. Yeah. Just in the fact that it was done poorly. We're going to still hear so much more from Mr. Lee June. So. God. The construction choices became an issue basically right out of the gate. In 1993, they moved the air conditioning units to a different part of the roof. So let's go ahead and take this not very steady building and just, they literally dragged these AC units. <laughs> they didn't even lift them by a crane or something. They oh dragged these AC units across the roof, um, and that made cracks start to appear oh in the roof. God. Then in 1995, same year this all happened, cracks began to appear, appear inside the building. Mr. Lee Jun saw this, and Mr. Lee Jun did nothing about mm-hmm. it. Because he doesn't give a shit. And clearly, oh, it's going to get worse no, before. Though, it doesn't I'm, get better. It's just going to get that. worse. All right. So we're halfway through my research, and we're now to the collapse. Are we ready for this? Sure. All right. So th- this is not <laughs> the, going the, to be the a, thing. The thing we all knew it was it, coming. It's going to happen. We because all know because even if we hadn't announced it in the early going, mm-hmm. if we had just started off the episode and laid out what we just laid out, everybody knows this thing is going to collapse. Oh, yes. I didn't even have to, yeah, I didn't even have to say the the subject, yeah, the topic. So, this building is obviously screwed. So, let's hear about its final day. Around 10 a.m., June 29th, 1995, three days after David graduated from high school, Lee Jun was informed by several employees at the Chun Wan restaurant on the fifth floor that there were large cracks in the floor oh my God. around one of the support columns. Oh, Jesus. So Lee closed the restaurant. Okay, I'm surprised that I really am. I know, like, right? Surprised now, at that. Now, this is 10 a.m., so they were probably just getting ready for lunch service or whatever. They're, do, they're doing they're prep, prep work. work. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I there's doubt, no, there are no customers in no, there. No, I doubt they were serving breakfast in a department store. No. So they blocked access to the restaurant, put up under construction signs, like as a front-facing thing of why they were not opening. And he told the restaurant workers, oh, don't tell anybody about this. Oh, fuck. Which is shocking, right? Because we thought Mr. Lee had such a fun character. <laughs> Around 12.30 p.m., so a couple hours later... Several loud banging sounds were heard coming from the roof. Mm. As the geez, air geez, conditioning, I wonder what those could be. As the air conditioning units were making the cracks in the fifth floor even bigger. Sure. Some of them deepening to four inches or like ten centimeters across. That's so we're not talking cracks not, at this point, we're talking like gaps. Holes. Like gaping yeah, gashes. Gashes, yes, yeah. exactly. Customers and employees reported feeling vibrations coming through the entire building. Even people in the basement could feel it. So this was going through this whole building. People in the basement. Oh, man. Um, Store management suspected the vibration was coming from the roof air conditioning units, so they shut off the AC, making an announcement to customers that the air conditioning would be off for the rest of the the rest of the day because the units were being fixed. It was maintenance stuff. Because this was the middle of summer, this was June in South Korea, the temperature indoors quickly went up pretty quickly, and the customers were understandably starting to complain about the heat. Now, I didn't see this anyway anywhere, but I do have 
They said that by the time this all went down, the heat was up to like 90 degrees inside. Because no AC or wouldn't necessarily surprise me. No, yeah. but but what I wonder is because we talked about the body count of forty thousand people a day coming through <sighs> for only five hundred to die. That's I pretty, wonder. It's pretty good. I wonder if a bunch of people left because they were uncomfortable. Probably. I would. I wouldn't stay in a store that that was that hot. I would just be like, yes, fuck this. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. So I wonder yeah, if that actually are just was like, a little yeah, bit of a fuck help. This I'm getting out of here. So anyway, that's just that's my true because yeah, the, so, poten- the potential of dead people could have been so much worse. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know. I'm just speculating on that. But anyway, by 4 p.m. it became. <laughs> Let me go outside. It's only 85 out <laughs> right? here. Right. By 4 p.m. it became apparent to Lee June that and the mall or the store management. That there was a really good chance, if not an absolute inevitability, that this building was going down. They called an emergency board meeting at the store. The building's structural... Hopefully hopefully outside the store. No, they were there. The building's (laughs) structural engineer was there, and he told the board they should evacuate and shut down the store. Obviously, and this is the structural engineer. Yeah, he's like, this fucker's going down. And 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 he had to have known the whole time this is gonna happen anyway. That too. But anyway, but Lee. But had, in his one shining moment, he's like, I'm not going down for this. Right. Everybody's getting out. <laughs> but Lee and the building's owner refused because this was an especially busy day. At, well, okay, well maybe it wasn't calming down as much as I thought. Anyway, and they didn't want to lose the revenue. So again, dollar signs for eyeballs. And so now, do we dislike Mr. Lee enough, or do we need another reason to really hate him? Because I've got one. Do you? Okay. Oh, it gets worse. Oh. You ready for this? So, in what is truly one of the most galling details of this story, Lee June and the rest of the executives left the building to preserve their own safety, not saying word one to the employees or to the customers. Of course. Let's add a little cherry on top. Oh, oh, oh my God. Lee June's daughter-in-law was working at the store that day. Lee knew this, and Lee didn't say jack shit to her. Yeah. Did she wind up dying? She was pulled from the rubble days later. We'll get to that. God. (laughs) Well, we'll get to the rescue efforts, but Mm -hmm. just a little spoiler alert. So, this is the upstanding gentleman worm, yeah. And by the way... um, this is most people who have, who are worth a billion dollars. Mm. Not really caring a whole lot about yeah, anyone other than nah. themselves. Yeah. 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 Around, but this seems like depraved indifference. I mean, like psychotic, which again, billionaires. Anyway. They have that pattern. <laughs> around 5 p.m. local time, the ceiling on the fifth floor began to sag. Oh, my God. Store employees blocked <clears throat> customers from entering the fifth floor. So at least they were, like, trying to protect customers on some level. The, the employees The were. employees were. Yeah. yeah. Around 5.52 p.m., customers and employees heard massive cracking sounds from the building and emergency alarms went off. But at this point, it was just too, too late. Too late. Yeah. Within 20 seconds, this all went down. The roof caved in. The air conditioning units came oh, crashing Jesus, down. Oh, of course. Employees, pan- employees and customers panicked, tried to escape. But, this again, this happened in 20 seconds. The useless support columns just gave in immediately. 
and within 20 seconds, every column in the south wing of the store had completely collapsed. Jesus Christ. So about 1,500 people ended up trapped oh my God. in the collapse. And here's pictures Holy of the collapse. Shit. Just right... Oh, my God. An entire... Just right down the middle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... And these are easy to find online, so feel free to Google them and search these. That's fucking crazy. So, rescue efforts. Rescue crews arrived, like, right away after the collapse and began pulling the dead and injured from the debris... About a thousand rescue workers and volunteers worked the scene. So there's a large number of people working on this. They made plans to bring in cranes and other equipment to dig through the rubble, because, you know, like to lift things up to sure. try and find people underneath. But Souls made. Oh my God. Okay. Are you ready? Not Lee June. Oh, okay. Not I thought Lee you were June going this like- time. <laughs> oh, no. He's like off somewhere. Who knows where Lee June is? Seoul's mayor, Choi Byung Yol, huh? Do you like how that just rolled off my tongue? It did was afraid the rest of the store would collapse as they dug through the debris, so he announced they would call off the rescue. But obviously, friends and family kept, of the victims... Just kept digging. No, they, com- they completely broke out in protest, just to, as well oh. as other citizens. So he was like, okay, fine, go for it. So he just, he just backed down. I mean, the, uh, yeah, because at this point, whoever was in there on what's left of the building has probably already been evacuated, most likely. Well, so he was just afraid that the rest of the building would come down and hurt rescue workers, sure. stuff, which is which is a valid. That's a legitimate. Like, I yes, it. I get that. I get that. But what they ended up using was guy wires to mm. support the rest of the building that was standing to avoid it collapsing. Sure. While they worked. So anyway, there was no further collapse that they had to be concerned about. Korea Telecom helped by transmitting a single a signal every 30 minutes that would set off uh, cell phones and pagers so that people, if people had cell phones and pagers and were trapped under the debris, it would go off so that rescue workers could try to find them. So mm-hmm. Survivors were found in the debris for days afterwards, and those who survived were able to avoid dehydration in the middle of this hot summer by drinking rainwater. So people were surviving mm-hmm. for a while. The last person rescued was a 19-year-old woman named Park Seung Hyun, who was found... I I'm, I wasn't making fun of her. I was, no, I, I was know. I saying know. that. It could have sounded like that to our listeners, though. I was, I was very pleased with myself for saying that so well. That's all. I'm almost done with my moonshine. <laughs> anyway, she was found 17 days after the collapse... With okay. just some scrapes, yeah. relatively minor injuries. She must have just been trapped. She couldn't right. get out. Um, and because she didn't have any major injury, injuries, right, why she, was she able survived. To live and she just had to drink the fucking Same rainwater. Same thing. There was like one person we talked about in the Rana Plaza that lasted like two weeks. Really? I don't with, remember that detail. Yeah. But okay. Because it was minor injuries. They yeah. just had to survive they just long had to, enough. Hang they just in had there. to drink rainwater or yeah. urine or... But this poor lady must have had PTSD because she said she heard other people dying from drowning around her. Oh, yeah. During the rescue efforts as water was used on the debris for fire suppression. Oh, so they were putting, like, like hoses actually, on yeah. and people were drowning from Because they were trapped. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, that's as grisly as it gets, especially after last week, so we're moving on. 
So in all, 502 people were killed in the Sampung department store collapse, and an additional 1,445 were injured, as we said. Shall we proceed to the aftermath and investigation? Yes, we shall. All right. An investigation into the collapse was led by um, engineer and professor Lan Chung of Dankook University, a private research university. So they first suspected the cause of the collapse was a gas leak because gas fire, several gas fires had happened. Remember I mentioned the sure. bridge collapses and yeah. the gas fires? So they were thinking that maybe that was what happened. Um, and there were gas fires burning in the debris, so that's what made them suspect that too. But they found that it those fires that were fueled by gas were fueled by cars that were parked underground underneath the the store. Okay. So they had gotten crushed, fires had started, it had nothing to do with the gas leak. So they, they realized that wasn't the case. Another initial suspicion was that it was a terrorist attack, because again, this is after um, World Trade Center, not to bring it all back to America, but also... South Korea had had several the, the, North Korean the, terrorist uh, the attacks. The first World Trade Center yeah, That's what I mean. I'm sorry. Correct. That's what I meant. The 93. Yeah. yeah. Um, not 9-11, obviously. Um, and, and obviously, North Korea was a big threat to South Korea. Still maybe is. I don't know. We're in the middle of potential peace talks. We shall see. Um, but it didn't take investigators long to realize that the structural issues were the cause of the collapse because of how the building fell. Um, so it's not like it took them forever to figure this out. They they had their suspicions about other things, but it became pretty clear. And that's when all the construction issues were found, which we talked through. Um, they, they found all this stuff about columns and the air conditioning units and all that stuff. It also came out that uh, the foundation of the building was poorly laid over an old landfill mm-hmm. improperly, as we just, as we talked about before, placed on unstable ground landfill, um, and was made of a really cheap mix of cement and seawater. Oh my god! And that poorly reinforced concrete was used to make the ceiling and the walls. So the, this whole thing was this just whole thing a was, fucking was, mess. It was going to happen. Yes, it, it really happened? was. It really was. They also discovered the use of what's known as flat slab construction in the building, which is what we talked about before, that they don't use the steel skeleton and steel beams to support the building. They just support the floor slabs on columns. Um, and that's when they realized the horrible failure of the columns, that they were too small, that they were too spaced out and all that. Um, so, yeah, small wonder and what investigators considered to be the triggering event of the whole thing was when they moved those damn air conditioning units and a couple years ago. Drag them across just, the. Just uh, drag them. They're the only they're way. They're too heavy. Let's just drag them. The only way a couple of tons. Yeah. We'll just drag them across yeah, the ceiling. Fifty tons total. My yes. God. Dragged across the roof. So, to absolutely no one's surprise, including ours at this point in the story, I'm sure, Lee Jun was zeroed in on and interrogated by the police. Now, this wonderful human being said during his interrogation that his biggest concern was, quote, the collapse not only harmed the customers, but also inflicted great financial damage to my company, end quote. Yeah, you can turn those two things around. Yeah, he didn't like he care was... about the customer. <laughs> He's like, okay, I have to say this bit about yeah. just so I don't sound like the sociopath I am. Yeah. So, 
But just to ensure people that I am a sociopath, I had to mention my own <laughs> yes. personal wealth second. Like as the most important. Thing. I really wanted. Well, to do, I really wanted to do it first. But yes, I. Not only yeah. did all this horrible shit happen, but yeah, me, but, me, me. Hey, and look at all the money. look at all the money I lost today. Yes, do you think yes. I wanted to lose money? <sighs> so Lee June, thankfully, was charged with criminal negligence. That's good. Found guilty. Really? Yes. Wow. And given a sentence of ten and a half years. That's it. It is it, but it's not two years. I don't know. I feel like. This guy, he was born in, I think I read 1922. So he's not a spring chicken. So a ten, he wasn't a spring chicken. So at this, at this point, time. he's uh, 73. 73. So 10 and a half years is probably the rest of his life, right? Is what, is what it sounds like. I would like. just make sure. Like, well, I let's would, keep going. I, yeah. Let's keep going. I would just give him a year <laughs> for every person that died. He appealed in 1996. He didn't win his appeal, but his sentence was reduced to seven and a half years. And so he got released from prison in 2003. And a few months later, in October, he died of diabetes, high blood pressure, and kidney disease. He's the person behind the documentary we were just watching. He is. Oh, the, um... I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. That's, that 2003. It's the same that's year. Right. <laughs> That is something I wanted to mention, though. We're watching um, Evil Genius on Netflix, and it's pretty good. Uh, yes, definitely they also watch covered it. the case on My Favorite Murder, I think, for anyone who likes My Favorite Murder. Shout out to the Murderinos, SSDGM. So. <laughs> I actually know what that means. What? Stay sexy, don't get murdered. Hi, so I'm teaching you all. So this this um, wonderful warmth that Mr. Lee had apparently ran in his family. Lee, Lee, Jun Sung, Lee Jun's son, Lee Han Sang. That is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, I'll give you major credit on that one. <laughs> Who was the president of the Sampung department store at the time of its, its collapse, was also charged with accidental homicide and corruption and was sent to prison for seven years, which he served. Yeah, how does this guy get even close to a sentence as... Lee June. Well, because he was, he, he wasn't, I, I don't know. I didn't, he, I don't know. No, but I'm just saying like that, I think that's how deep Lee June's corruption probably goes. Oh, we're goes. still going. We're oh, still going. okay. Anyway, oh. anyway when um, Lee Han Sang, when Lee Han Sang got out of prison in 2002, he became a missionary in Mongolia. So, okay. okay. All right. That's what happened to him. Two city officials were also arrested and sentenced to do prison time. Lee Chung Wu got three years, and Huang Chao Min got ten years, more than what yeah. um, Lee Jun ended up spent, um, being sentenced, both for bribery. Who do you think bribed them? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, Lee Jun. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Oh, I still need the pit bell. Yeah, where, where is it? I keep talking about that. So, yeah. Not only was Lee Jun a great guy, he had a predilection for bribing city officials, which, again, yeah, should not, not shock us at not this Not surprising. Point. Yeah. Now, as far as the victims and their families go, they sued for U.S. dollars, $361. (laughs) Let me finish. Let me finish. (laughs) All right. Just finished off the the moonshine. They sued for $361,000 per victim. One million billion dollars. One million billion dollars. Um... 
I've never seen Austin Powers. I just know that that's a thing. Anyway, I'm not super familiar with the justice system of South Korea. Um, and this does seem weird, but the city of Seoul itself represented the Sampung department store owner. So I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's that's well, that sounds like a bribery. Well, it could just be some intricacy that we're not understanding sure. about their justice system. Anyway, they made an offer on on the owner's behalf of the vic- to the victims' families of two hundred twenty thousand dollars each because they said that's all the owner had like to give them. So, uh, Lee Jun, I'm not buying that either. <laughs> Lee Jun and his son, in what may or may not be, like, an altruistic move, or maybe just they knew they were fucked, they offered the entirety of their fortunes. So they they, they just lost everything they had to the victims for compensation. And so the Sampoon group immediately dissolved, went out of business. So eventually the settlement involved 3,293 cases for a total of 375.8 billion South Korean won, which is roughly the equivalent of 300 million U.S. dollars. Okay. Which, in a surprising twist, was actually paid out to families within eight years. So overall, these families got 300 million dollars. And Lee Jun, for as being as much of a scumbag as he's been... At least he gave up the at money. At least does the right thing in the end. Well, and who knows, like... I doubt and he's just probably the got. Of his heart. He's got. He's got a million buried here and there somewhere well, else, I mean, probably too. Also, it, but still, it may have been just an inevitability. And he was like, "Well, maybe if I just settle by being like, here's all my money.' They don't have like they can't sue for rights to future earnings or something. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I but I know. Yeah. It. But you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't because he was a great guy. Yeah. There was definitely an ulterior motive. Yeah. But he still did it. At least he didn't fight it. So That's the and like like we've said before, like you know, money's not going to bring somebody back. No, but it's better than being broke and feeling that way. Right, or or taking care of like the family left behind, like well, uh, sure. breadwinners yes, are being lost. Absolutely, um, uh, people here's, leave children here's behind. Here's five years' salary, right, That you don't right. have to worry about, right, or kids right college now until you get all the PTSD or, out and <laughs> right? move on. Right. Yeah. God. So. The site where the Sampung department store stood was vacant until 2000, so like for five years. The families of the victims wanted to build a memorial there. Makes sense. Um, and they did get an, a memorial, but it was built in a different location because the land was sold to private developers. They are now, what is now standing at that site is luxury apartments. Which is what was intended all along. Yes, that's true. It's an apartment <laughs> That's, oh, that's just... Talk about not, coming full circle. It's not irony, but it's just, no, yeah, like it's, you said, it's, full circle. It's yeah. full circle. Uh, so the Sam... So, so in, a, in, a, in, a, in a strange way, that kind of is a memorial. Yeah, right. This is what... If <laughs> that's what it was supposed to fucking be. fucking built this fucking apartment building from day one, we wouldn't be in this spot. Yeah. Yeah. fucking believable yeah. So the Sampoon Collapse, this this is on YouTube, so you can look this up. Is it really? Well, no, 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 oh, not the I Collapse. Thought, okay. I haven't finished my sentence yet. Sorry. Um, I'm was, just so excited. I know. And you just can't hide it. I can't. Was depicted in the Korean movie <laughs> Traces of Love. And I saw the collapse scene on YouTube. It was very dramatic, very 
dramatically acted and I'm sure not close to reality, but whatever. Well, I've never watched a K-drama. Oh, Sarah loves those. But I know that that's a thing. Sarah, but, not uh, Sarah Q. I don't no. know if Sarah Q loves those. My your, sister, your sister, Sarah. Yes. She um, loves K-dramas and kimchi. But I say I that did, because she does specifically love kimchi. I did a few months ago watch my very first South Korean film, and it was oh. it was very good. What was it? <laughs> Train to Busan. It was about zombies infecting oh, a uh, passenger train. But it was uh-huh. actually very dramatic. Mm-hmm. I could tell, like, the one guy, and I actually looked him up. I could tell, like, the one guy was, like, a veteran actor. Because oh, okay. he had, like, the... He just had that vibe about him. Okay. Like, he was, like, South Korea's Charles Bronson. Oh, okay. Kind of. Uh-huh. Like, the action hero. And I looked him up, and, yeah, he's been in, like, 50 yeah. films, something uh-huh. like that. But, uh, but, yes. Overly dramatic most of the time, but, yeah... Koreans, they know drama. <laughs> well, I watched a I watched a K drama with my sister once, just like one episode. It was surprisingly entertaining and gripping and interesting. Yeah, so was this yeah, movie. I yeah. mean, it really was. But I mean, there were a couple times like, okay, they've just they laid on the drama a little too thick. But maybe yeah. that's just their style, and apparently it is. Should we wrap this thing up? Yeah. I just have one beautifully written final paragraph. I mean, I think it was beautifully written when I wrote it. Anyway. We'll see if I can pr- pronounce all the words. I've been struggling tonight with struggling. my pronunciation of English words. <laughs> the Sampoon department store collapse is still seen as a kind of warning to rapidly developing countries to proceed with caution when building massive amounts of infrastructure in a short period of time. Even though cutting corners and moving quickly might seem like a good strategy in the short run, it can obviously prove incredibly deadly in the long run. Did I sound like a... Is that my NPR? Um, that is your Terry Gross. Uh, my... <laughs> no, that would be more like this. I'm Terry Gross. <laughs> no, that's, that's not what No, but it's, it's, like. it's, it's you're the new Terry Gross is what I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I mean that in a good way. That may, might have sounded like I meant that. <laughs> no, okay, no. Good. Terry Gross is amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um, She's okay. I don't know Ira Glass. I don't either. We've established I, yeah. that, though. Yeah. Um, I know apparently, Audrey Cornish, apparently a lot Steve of la- Inskeep. Apparently a lot of ladies do know Ira Glass. I don't get and that either. And, like, crush but, on him hardcore. But, yeah, but all right, teach their own. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. could care less. Yeah. Anyway, that was my well-written little last paragraph. But that, my friends, was the Sampung department store collapse. Thank you, Emily, for the suggestion. That was a good one to cover. Yes, thank you much, very much, Emily. And, and just to let you know how... Uh, depressing last week's episode was like I feel better after doing a building collapse. <laughs> right? Isn't this a nicer episode? Oh my god! But it was yeah. just. But the whole. Well, you know, what? here's something. The body count was higher in that plane crash. Than it, it was. was yes, it was. Not I, by much. But by still, like fifteen people or something. But yeah. You're talking about a building where 40,000 people a day, on average, yeah, went through. You know, inhabit that mm-hmm. place, and only five hundred people, a little over five hundred people, died. You'll take those odds. Right. I mean, it, it was obviously not good for those 502 no. people and their families. But it easily could have been several thousand yes. people. Yes. Very easily. It could, it could have been bad. Now, it also could have been zero if yep. fucking June If you Lee, just, yeah. June, Lee June. Lee June. Lee June. Sorry. I was pronouncing his names the other way around. Mm-hmm. You see, Lee is his last name and June is his first name. It is. Yes. So I called him by the American version. That's, I'm mostly just a little tipsy, that's why. 
We should probably end right now, huh? Should we? I think so. We've gone on long enough. I don't know. I like Tipsy Rachel. <laughs> well, you still get get me around since the listeners don't want me anymore. <laughs> uh, well, you don't know, but anyway. Weigh in. Do you like Tipsy Rachel or no? Of course. Of course they do. Aw. But on but on that on that note. <laughs> that was that was fake. That was clearly fake. Anyway. On that note. Um <laughs> Do you remember your outro? <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of the building. Sampoon Department Store. Sampoon. Sampoon. Sam. Sampoon. That's right. Sampoon Department Store Collapse yes. in Seoul, South Korea. 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 <laughs> I'm struggling. Korea. Seoul, South Korea. <laughs> you sound like a valley girl. Seoul, South Korea. Seoul, South Korea. <laughs> Vocal fry. <laughs> Finish this, please. Okay. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>